Yeah, we may not. We may not be compensated. We're going to get started here, Jim. Um, And and the topic uh, is uh, first things first. First things first. We were talking about uh, some things yesterday, and and Jim said that uh, keep the main thing the main thing. And and this morning when I woke up, I wasn't even out of the bed, and the Lord said, first things first. We've heard the expression, uh, the definition of the word first is coming before all others in time or order. In other words, the highest important. So you need to ask yourself today, what is the most important thing in my life? What can't I live without? Interesting question, Jim. Yeah, sure is. You know, it's like, um, you know, we're just going to talk about that. First things first. We're going to, you know, talk about uh, what's important to us. And, And as the definition says, first is coming before all others. It's got the highest importance to you. And, um you know, putting our life in perspective here today and bringing more meaning and direction in our life, Jim and I were talking about this life as a journey here on this earth because we are truly spiritual people um, walking this thing out, this earthly existence out um, like Jesus did. And, um, you know, it's, it's always important to keep our lives, putting our lives into perspective and bringing more meaning and direction in our lives and, and, and dealing with the important things. Um, Jesus said that all commandments are contained, and there's 600 and some commandments in the law, but all of them are contained in two simple but very important commandments. And I'll just simplify it even more. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. To rephrase it, love God, love yourself, and love all you come in contact with. And by loving yourself, it's not being selfish. It's being selfless. But it's not thinking more of yourself it's thinking more of your, it's thinking of yourself less in other words that you're thinking of others and you're thinking of you you know you're just living in the spirit where god is the for in the forefront of your thoughts of your actions everything you do from the time you wake up in the morning till you lay your pillow down and even while you're sleeping So, yeah. big subject, Jim. Yeah, yeah, a lot to say about it. For sure. So, we're going to just start things off with First John 4.19, because this is where it all begins. And then we're going to go into the second chapter of Revelation. So, if you have your Bibles and you're not driving and you're at home, you can open them up. 1 John 4.19, Jim says, we love him because he first loved us. That's huge. He loved us before the foundations of the world. 
he that's that's kind of a tough one to to try to chew on but he he loved us is is jeremiah he loved us before we were even formed in our mother's womb he woke you up this morning he has gotten us this far in our lives we we just are blessed people he is good all the time isn't he amen yeah, I love what he said to Jeremiah, Rich, uh, when he said, for you know the thoughts I have towards you. Yes. That's powerful. I mean, Jeremiah. Well, finish that off, Jim. That's a great, that's a great uh, scripture. Yeah. I know the yeah. thoughts of you. And then what does he say? Oh, thoughts for a great future, thoughts for prosperity. There you go. It's all good. There you go. Yeah. Thoughts are good. He, he's, yeah. he's not this guy sitting up on a throne with a, a staff to, to, to beat on us. He's a loving, caring father that loves us. Words can't even express. You know, Rich, we have the testimony of Jesus about the father, too. Because remember when the guy said to Jesus, he called him good teacher. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's mm -hmm. none good except God or there's none good except the father. So that was Jesus's testimony wow. about the father. He is good. Yes. He, you know, he's the only one that's good. And that's where Jesus drew his goodness from. Amen. Well, we're going to start digging deep here um, into this subject of first things first. And uh, we must first lay some groundwork. And then after we lay the groundwork, then we're going to discuss, um, you know, we're going to discuss it. And the, the thing that we're going to discuss most is um, going back to our first love. Because that's what Revelation uh, 2, uh, 1 through 7 talks about, is it, Jesus talking to the, um, to the Ephesians saying that you've lost your first love. So we're, we're going to discuss that in depth. You know, how did that happen and what we can do, you know, to not lose our first love. I mean, he is our first love. And, and, you know, you, you, he, he says, go back to when you first had a relationship with me and you gave your life to me and whatever, how, how much love you had for saving, for saving you, for saving us. And so, he, you know, he's, we're going to dig into this and talk a lot about it. Uh, Jim, before we do that, do you have any comments before I start reading these scriptures? No, I think we probably ought to get into it. I think the Lord's already given us, uh, he's already uh, lit our pathway as to how to go on this. And I think he's going to unfold it. The Holy Spirit's going to unfold it himself. It isn't so much going to be you or I. We're just no. going to let him use our mouth uh, because the Spirit's going to uh, lead and guide them into this truth like he did us. Yeah, this scripture will come alive because it is full of life and... Um we're going to just go ahead and start Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, and I'll have different versions that we can uh, relate to here, but the first one is, Write to the shepherd messengers of the Ecclesia of Ephesus, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks between the seven gold 
golden lampstands. What would what's or would you say this to you? In other words, Jesus is holding these seven stars in his right hand, and we know that the right hand is where there are pleasures evermore, where there's power and where there's authority. He's not holding them in his left hand, which is a hand of correction. He's he's holding us like you would hold a brand new puppy, I mean, in, in your hands, just so carefully and lovingly and nurturingly that uh, the seven stars actually represent, uh, it says in uh, Revelation one twenty, the seven stars are the seven angels, the messengers. And um, I think the Lord shared with me today that it, it can also relate to the leadership in the, sh- in the church. Well, Rich, when you started off, didn't you say that this message was to the shepherds? To the shepherd messengers. Okay. That's the shepherds. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so if you're if you're in leadership, no matter what level of leadership, um, this is definitely a program that that you want to listen to because there you it's go. very very important. Amen. And um, verse two, it says, "I see how hard you work." And all your exhausting efforts, also your unyielding commitment to the task, and how you cannot stand the wicked. You have made it your business to scrutinize some so-called apostles and judge them to be false. So there's, I mean, he's, he's commending them for their efforts, but you're going to hear the rest of the story as it continues on. You go, you go, gosh, how could Jesus say all that and then come down a couple more verses and say, there's one thing I have against you is you've, lo- you've left your first love. Well, you're going to see how it works. It says, you have been at it with great diligence and have relentlessly pushed yourself beyond limits. And all along you did it in my name as if you were representing me. Any comments, Jim? <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just taking it all in. <laughs> yeah. Well, basically, the way I take it is there's a lot of huffing and puffing going on in, in you know in the body of Christ. And it's it's all meant for good. I mean, you know, people aren't working hard. You know, for the church, their local church or whatever, they're not doing all that for any other reason other than to serve people and to serve God. <clears throat> but as you'll see in the next verse, you know, what good is it if you've left your first love? Is that pretty much how you look at that, Jim? Yeah, I, I think uh, there's no question that, that is that's what he's saying. He's trying to lay some groundwork. Uh, he's kind of reeling them in, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and and now he wants to explain to them a better way. In verse four, it says, "Here is my problem." Now, in the King James version, it says, "Nevertheless, I have against you that you have left." your first love. In this version, it says, here's my problem. You have divorced me 
and abandon your first love. And, and, and the notes say a re, it's a repeat of the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve preferred the fruit of the tree of their own toil and labor to become like God rather than to rest in the conviction of the likeness and union they already enjoyed by design. Yeah, Adam and Eve already had it, Jim. They had yeah. the best. They they were divine beings, you know, created in his image and likeness. Yeah, that's right. They already had, and they gave it away through deception, through the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. And that's one thing I think that a lot of people, we don't realize, I didn't realize it, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it is good, but it's not God. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of good it's a lot of good works, but it's not necessarily works from the spirit, and that's what God is trying to um, uh, show His people that the only way we're going to be able to reveal His nature, uh, and that's the reason why we're here. We're new creations in Christ, and that's one thing we have to wake up to. We have a completely new identity. Uh, we're not operating in the old identity anymore. You know, before we were mortal. Now we're immortal. Before we were limited, now we're unlimited. Uh, before we were flesh, now the word of God is being made flesh in me. Um, and, you know, we've been at home in the body. Uh, but Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we got to be absent from a lot of the flesh, fleshy ways of thinking and acting prior to salvation. And, um, and, and I think... I know my own personal experience, the reason why we're so good at conveying this, Rich, is because you and I have walked through this fire, and and it is a fiery walk. Uh, I remember the night that I got saved in a hotel room in Dayton, Ohio, and I the Lord literally appeared to me, and man, I was on fire. The glory of God was all over me for two or three months, and then I found myself going into different churches, and... Uh, I, I knew I was sinless by the way the Lord looked at me. He said, your sins have been forgiven, son. It literally spoke that to me. Your sins have been forgiven. Now go walk in love. The only way you're going to be able to walk in love is to understand who you are in Christ Jesus. The, the, the great unconditional love that he has for us. Because if you don't understand the unconditional love that God has for you, uh, you're not going to be able to pass that along to somebody else. If you're walking in condemnation, uh, you're going to be giving out condemnation. Ask me how I know that. Mm. <laughs> because, you know, I've been there, and still to a degree I am. I find myself slipping back into that. But at least now, through the Spirit of the Lord and just trusting God, um, he'll, he'll bring you back. He'll bring you back. And, you also, know, you just and also, you you can identify it better now yes. than you could back then. And then you can make the necessary corrections. Right. We're looking in the rearview mirror. I mean, we've been there and done that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. In verse 5, it says, Now I implore you to call to mind that place where you have fallen. We're something, basically what he's saying is, I implore you to remember back 
before you fell and what caused you? What what became so important? Our topics, first things first, and what became first and replaced the love you had for the Lord. Yeah. And again, this is there's no kind the Lord is not condemning anybody that fell away or you know that something else became more important for a season or whatever. He he's not condemning and of course we aren't because we've experienced it. What he's doing is try to just get you to think. Mm-hmm. You know, with that Christ mind think, you know, what got in the way. And right. He goes on to say, "Remember our intimate romance, boy. That's beautiful. You yeah. have an you have an intimate romance with the Lord. I mean, there's seven billion people on this earth. If you want to know how big God is, there's seven billion people on this earth. Not to mention all that have passed away. And He wants an intimate relationship with every one of us." You know, Rich, um, I remember having this conversation with the Lord, and and, uh, he showed me just how many people uh, were on the planet Earth at at this time, and how he had created all of them for his glory. And I started feeling very insignificant, because I was thinking, gee, I'm just one of the seven or eight billion that's on the planet Earth right now. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, you know, the only thing more majestic and greater and more powerful than my creation is my ability to have you feel like you're my only child. Hmm. I love you like you're my only child. And he does. I mean, his love is infinite, and it's unconditional. And uh, even though there's 7 billion people that he loves, and he, and again, he loves the sinner as well as the saint. Every one of me loves him. Amen. For, for God so loved the world. Right. Right. That he gave. Amen. That's right. But it is phenomenal. It is really quite a miracle when you think about it, Rich. All the billions, maybe trillions of people that have passed through the planet, for all we know. This thing is so much bigger than our finite mind can can comprehend. But the fact that God makes you feel like you're his number one chosen, favored son, I mean, that that really is quite a a phenom, really. Yes, you are uh, special and unique in his eyes. Just like a snowflake, everyone's different. Yeah, fingerprint. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So it says, remember our intimate romance. Discover there the poetry of our union to be the driving force of your labor. Wow. I mean, I I don't know about everybody else, but I was out there huffing and puffing and by the sweat of my brows, I'm doing this for the Lord and I'm doing that for the Lord. But he said, look, let only the driving force of your labor be this intimate relationship with me because Jesus says we are one with him and he is one with the Father. So whatever we do, we have this connection. We have this oneness, this unity with God. It's not something that you have to wait for in the sweet by and by when you pass away and go to heaven. It's available to you now, today, right this second. 
Yeah, Jesus said, for the kingdom of God is at hand. You know? It's here now. It's within yeah. you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, Mary, I am the resurrection. You know, that resurrection power that's in us is the kingdom of God within us. I mean, Jesus even said, don't say low there, low here, but say, for the kingdom of God is within you. Yes. Um, you know, so, no, it it is, all you have to do is just go within. If you want to communicate with Christ, just go within. He's there. Get quiet. You'll hear his voice. And frankly, brothers and sisters, if you are not hearing his voice, and I find that many of my brothers and sisters really struggle with that, he doesn't want you to struggle with that. He just wants you to be still and get before him, and you will come to the knowledge of his voice. You will. My sheep know my voice. They know it. Amen. Amen. Well, this intimate uh, romance is the poetry drive in the driving force of everything you do. He goes on to say, it is so different from being duty-driven. If you feel duty-driven, you know, I know Julie's now volunteering um, at a place that, that helps uh, single moms. Um, and... She doesn't feel duty-driven. She was led by the Lord to go do that. So if you feel like, well, I got the... If, if there's not peace and joy in your in what you do for the Lord, then it's time to have a powwow with God and find out, you know, what you are called to do that is going to bring you peace and joy. Because I know Julie gets a lot of peace and joy by going over there and volunteering and helping uh, these girls and ladies um, get through some very, very tough times. So it, it says, It is in your awakening again to my thoughts that your lampstand is secured in its place. Verse 6, I must say to your credit that we both have a common disregard for those who want to abuse their position to control people. And uh, in the King James, it's called, it, it's the Nicolaitan spirit. And the, and the word Nicolaitan means, it's from the Greek word nikaio, which means to conquer, and leos, which means people. To conquer people. This is not... This is not the, the church that the Lord wants, is that the author, people in authority, the leaders, to try to control you and to, you know, make you feel bad if you're not doing exactly what they want you to do. Um, Jesus is the only true shepherd. Jesus yeah, is the good shepherd. He, and he truly is the only shepherd. I know... You know, it's been said that I shepherd this flock and I shepherd that flock, and I understand that, but there's only one good shepherd, and it's Jesus. Yeah. Thank God for that. Yeah. Also, Amen. that word Nicolation is um, to conquer, as in the um, previous verse we just talked about. This time it is not lording it over people to abuse them, but discovering the lordship of the Christ life within you. That's good. Yeah, I thought that was really good. Yeah, that Philippians, Rich Philippians 2.15 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. 
Yes. It's yes. God that works in you. Yes. In the last verse, Jim says, now listen up with your inner ears. Hear and un- with understanding what the Spirit is saying to the ecclesia, those that are called. The conquering one will feast with me from the fruit of the tree of life, from the paradise of God. You know, Jim, that's so exciting because it doesn't, it doesn't say anywhere in here you have to die to enjoy the fruit of the tree of life from the paradise of God. doesn't say it. Die to self. Well, (laughs) it doesn't say (laughs) you have to leave this earth to enjoy that paradise. No, Jesus never said that death was the door into heaven. He said death was the last enemy to be conquered. Uh, But Jesus said, I am the door. So once you step through Jesus Christ, you have just entered a mystical realm. I know that's kind of a dirty word sometimes with a lot of the church people, the word mystical. A mysterious. But, you, know, you can say it's a mysterious realm. You know, it's, yeah, it's foreign right. to our natural thinking. Right, right. But, yeah, Jesus is the door. Once you step through that door, you stepped into a new life, you stepped into a new way, and you stepped into a new governor, a new Lord of your life. And you are no longer the Lord of your life anymore. He is. And thank God. You know, we talked about that prior to the show here today. How's that working out for you? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so so that word Ephesus in the Greek means permitted, desirable, and appealing. You know, what, it, what it's telling me is by that definition um, from the Greek, it's basically saying that if, if God is not our first love, we have permitted something else to take its place. It could be your job. It could be your family. And, and all those things are important. Trust me, Jesus knows that every, all that is important. Um, but when it comes right down to it, if you put him first and your love for him is, gets the first uh, on the list, then it's amazing how these other things tend to work out better for you in your life. Well, you know, Rich, I don't think people realize that Jesus loves to go to work with you. <laughs> yeah. Jesus loves to help you drive your car. He loves to have coffee with you in the morning. Sometimes I think that we have to separate our business life from our spiritual life. And the Lord is saying, that's a fallacy. I want to walk with you and be with you. I want to be your wisdom. You know, I want to be your mind. I want you to have my mind in these business transactions. I want you to have my mind in all your relationships with new people and old friends. I want to be involved in every aspect of your of your life. It's a lie of the devil to say, well, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to put Jesus out here in the hall, and I'll pick him up on my way home. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a, a deception. And it's a lifestyle. I mean. It is. I mean, what a... We just don't realize sometimes the the blessing of knowing that Jesus lives within us. Yeah, yeah. Christ yeah. in you is your hope of glory, and guess what? It's not, you know, it's not any of the other stuff. It's Christ in you is your hope of glory, and and 
I don't mean to say take advantage in a negative way. We need to take advantage of the fact that that Christ is in us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if he is it's if he is willing to live within us, um we need to go within many, many more times a day than we do. I know I do. I need to go within more than what I'm already doing. Yeah, when you think about it, Rich, we got the resource of all resources. Why not utilize it? The teacher lives in you. Yeah, yeah. Therefore, you have no need of a man to teach you, John, 1 John says. The comforter lives in you. You want comfort? Don't don't look for it out there. I got a much better way than to go out there to find comfort. Go within. The comforter yeah, well, lives in you. Yeah, the whole world needs comforting. If you're going to the world to get comfort, you're going to the wrong place because they're all in desperate condition, especially in the hour we're living in right now. There just is no peace in the world. So as we talk about our topic first first um, things first, the old expression, um, you know, we're talking about when we lose our first love, something else has to take its place. So it's time to, you know, today may be a good time to take inventory of your your walk with the Lord and your life and uh, see if there is something that has taken the place of your first love. You know, we find, Jim, that in an unregenerate man is given over to physical and sensual and must be raised to the spiritual by the power of the word, by God's word. We're we're speaking to you God's word right now. And and we're hoping that seed takes root. I know that it has with us, and it's still... (laughs) We haven't even come close to arriving, but we, we're we starting to see those shoots come out of the ground, and we're starting to see that growth occur, and, and, and that's what you want to see for yourself. Yeah, I, I think that I've got a poem that might be appropriate this time. Good. It goes like this. Uh, Love expressed in all of its glory is the Christ redemption story. Love has been a mystery before all time. Its only desire is to make all things rhyme. If you want to see love's glory, then take a deep look at the redemption story. For in its words of truth and grace, you will see the wonders of the Savior's face. And as you do, you will come to know there's nothing that compares down here below. So keep on seeking his glory from above, and he will surely fill you with his abundant love. Then all nations here below will see his face, and he will truly transform them by his amazing grace. Yeah, he does the transforming. You know, people, I know I did, Jim. You know, I thought, okay, what do I, I just want to be transformed into his likeness and image. I know I was created in his likeness and image, but I know it's also on this journey here on earth. Um, it's it's basically every day we want to see Christ formed in us. Yeah. More and more and more. And how do you know that Christ is being formed in you? Well, it begins with a, the born-again experience. Behold, 
all things, the old's passed away and all things have become new. So, you know, if, if you're married, you talk to your spouse and see if you're seeing more of, if she or he is seeing more of Christ being formed in us, in me. And um, you, <laughs> you might be surprised at the uh, response, but that's okay. That's good. You, you, want, you want to get an honest response on that. And, uh, but it comes through time. It comes through spending time with the Lord. And it, and it comes through, you know, just meditating on Him and meditating on His Word. Yeah, Rich, you know, I remember a book that uh, our very dear brother Bill Britton wrote, and it was a book written to his enemies. And in the book, uh, to sum it up, give you the abridged version, um, he says, I want to thank all my enemies <laughs> because, you know, one thing about your enemies, they will tell you about your shortcomings. Yep. <laughs> and, and frankly, if we receive it in that way, you know, when somebody says, you know, you're really this, you're really that, uh, you know, instead of rebelling against them, we might want to take it to the Lord. And, you know, like Paul said, when you were talking a while ago, the Lord spoke to me where Paul said, examine yourself to see if you be in the faith. Mm -hmm. And God wants us, it isn't that God's interested in, in taking this big sick one and smacking us with it. That, that really is not his nature. That's the nature of the other guy, okay? Uh, the devil, if you will. But uh, the Lord admonishes us, you know, sit down and examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. God gives us the faith to walk this life. Uh, but if our faith isn't growing in us and Christ isn't being formed in us, uh, we need to sit down and say, Lord, there's something that's just not gelling here. Straighten me up. Yes, yes. Have a come to Jesus meeting, so to speak. <laughs> You've heard yeah, that didn't, before. Didn't Paul, did, didn't Paul say that to, I think, the Corinthians or something? He says, I've been praying for you guys uh, to see more of Christ be formed in you. And this is another thing I don't think the brothers and sisters realize. This whole earth school that we're in right now is to bring forth the image of Jesus Christ and the likeness of Jesus Christ. It isn't just to get saved and hallelujah, we've escaped hell and we're on our way to heaven which is the version that a lot of fellowships give you today. You know, you're, you're not going to hell, you're going to heaven. Now just hold on, just hold on. You'll make it. When you die, you'll be there. Man, that's a very weak gospel, Rich. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, absolutely, for sure. sure. I mean, uh, there's been so many things done in the name of, of Jesus Christ that... Um, I mean, actually, I think a lot of us are embarrassed at some of the things that have been, I mean, even billboards. I mean, just fear and control, you know, like, it's just, um, God is love, folks. And Jesus said that when you, they said, we want to see the Father, Jesus. And he said, well, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, there's a there's a whole New Testament that talks about Jesus, so it's not difficult to find out who Jesus was, and even volumes couldn't even be written of all that the love and compassion that Jesus showed those that he walked with and those that he came in contact with. Okay, Jim, so the million-dollar question right now is, why do we allow the cares of the world— that could be trials, sickness, hurts, love of money, suffering, 
Why do we allow the cares of the world to distract us from keeping him first in our thoughts and first uh, in, in our love for him? I mean, isn't that a great question? I mean, yeah, that's, a big uh, that, one. that's the million-dollar question right now on this topic is, is why do we, when he's there to uphold you and he's there to support you, and he, why would we let the trials and the cares of the world and all that get in the way? I believe well, that, I, go ahead. I have a poem that might speak to that. Well, that's beautiful. Love to hear it. <laughs> Okay, it says this, the Lord just recently gave this to me. The Holy Spirit does speak in this hour to reveal the Father's nature and his almighty power. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. Uh, the Holy Spirit comes to reveal Jesus to us. He only says what Jesus, the Father speaks to Jesus, and Jesus speaks through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is always trying to reveal the Father's loving nature and his almighty power to us. But, but the Holy Spirit went on to say, but many of my children cannot receive because they embrace doctrines of men that do deceive. For many years, my church has been tossed to and fro by the winds of many doctrines that they will not let go. But the Spirit and the bride are saying, come, come up here and be transformed back into the image of me. For it is with great desire that I long to see the glory of my son Jesus to come forth in thee. So come out from amongst them, my people, so you can see the loving Christ nature that's now being formed in thee. So I think one of the partially answer to your question, Rich, is that we've just bought into a bunch of false religious teachings uh, that really are not of God. And that's been my experience in 40 years of walking with Christ. No doubt. And, um, you know, you got to know the Lord for yourself. You know, you can't let someone else um, have the relationship or tell you who God is and whatever. You, you need to seek him out for yourself. Many times on this program, we say, ask, seek, and knock. And that should be almost a daily thing where you're asking the Lord questions and you're seeking him and his presence and his and just the understanding that in the wisdom, he said, that if you ask, if you ask for wisdom, he's going to give it to you. And Amen. Then, and then knocking on that door, Jesus says, "Come up here, come up." He's the door. Come up there where he is, and all that. It's not a physical place. What it, he means is, come up here into a heavenly realm where the vibrations higher, and it's not a lower earthly realm. He wants you to come up in, in fellowship with him in the heavenlies. And I know that's foreign to a lot of people, but it's very scriptural. It's there. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we could we could run we could run a thousand scriptures by on that particular score. Uh, you know, to come up here. Um, yeah, that yeah, actually when you take the word of a man or a woman, a teacher, apostle, prophet, pastor, over what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, uh, then you've, you've got another lover. You've got another lover. I mean, if you find yourself uh, thinking more about your pastor 
talking more about your pastor. Uh, and God bless all the pastors. Don't misunderstand me. We love but, the pastors. We love yeah, everybody. We do. We do. But, you know, I, I find that when I talk to people in my business, I'll say, what's the Lord been saying to you? They start talking about their pastor. Or they start talking about their church. And I said, no, I'm not talking about your church. I would ask you how the church is doing. I want to know what God spoke to you. And if you find that you really cannot answer that question, then you might be a candidate to examine yourself to see if you're still in the faith, because my sheep know my voice. Yes. And Jesus does not lie. He's not like a man. So if you're not hearing the voice, now I'm not talking about, you know, uh, coming through a bullhorn at you. You have to become intimate with God to understand his language and to even know and hear his voice. But Fellas, sisters, that is priority, to know the voice of the Lord. If you don't, then you will be persuaded by everybody that comes down the pike. Every wind of doctrine. Yes, yeah. And and they, the Bible warn, warns us of that. Yes, it does. Well, I believe the journey here on earth is about, like we said earlier, walking in the Spirit continuously. And there you go. You may be saying which I've said myself, that's impossible. That can't be done. Because we must still live on this earth, pay bills, raise kids, work, and all the other things that come along with this life. Well, that's correct. However, Jesus showed us what it is like living in a spiritual realm even though he was limited to this earthly walk. I mean, all you have to do is go to John 3, 3 with Nicodemus. You know, Nicodemus was really confused, and this, is, this was a great, learned man of the law. He, he knew the law forwards, backwards, and sideways. And he was, if you go, you know, we're not going to read it now, but if you Go back to John 3, 3, you're going to see that Jesus said, hey, yeah, my feet's on the ground here, but, you know, I'm fellowshipping with the Father in heavenly places at the same time, and that's that's our walk here. <clears throat> our, Amen. You know, our, our lives offer choices to determine, and, and the Lord gave me this, you know, over the last week about gates. And we're just going to touch it very, very lightly on it. That's a very deep subject we could spend three or four programs on and still not scratch the surface. But um, but uh, these choices, we have to determine, you know, we have to look at two gates. Uh, you know, one is the narrow gate and one is the wide gate. And we make a choice which one we're going to open up, the narrow or the wide the narrow is always going to be the spiritual, godly, divine gate that he has provided for us. The wide gate is usually going to be more sensual, dealing with the, the five natural senses and, and dealing, you know, in the easy, it's an easier way to go. If you want the easy way, go the wide gate. That's why they call it wide, because most people go down the wide, through the wide gate. But the narrow gate is the, the spiritual mind which requires absolute conformity to truth. And we know 
truth is a person, Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. In all measures, all things by the gauge of truth. The way is straightened because it requires only truth to be recognized, and it rules out untruth and evil. Conversely, on the other side is the wide gate, which is the easy, negative way by which men conform to sense, natural sense, consciousness, and the pleasures of the world, with the result that their mind muscle becomes soft and flabby. We don't want to be soft and flabby. And it says, when trials come, men find that they are not able to cope with them. When we're faced with problems and temptations, the narrow gate allows us to pause and go within before we make any decisions or choices because we want to be led by the Spirit. On the other side, the wide gate will just lash out, and we've seen this. We've seen this before. You know people that are going through that narrow gate. They, they just have peace about them. And when trials and tribulations come and things that normally get people all upset and angry and, and whatever, they go within and they stop and they pause and they go within. And it just seems like whatever their response is, is a response that has peace all over it. But that wide gate, you know, you've seen those people. They lash out. Anything that anything that uh, comes their way, it's, it's very predictable how they're going to act. I mean, you see it in road rage. You see it in a lot of things. You see it, you see it with the leaders of our country. I mean, leaders of other countries. Um, because they're led by carnal emotions, which usually doesn't work out for us or anyone else involved. So, it, you know, if you're going through that white gate, not only is it not working out for you, it's not working out for your family, your people at work, your friends at the church, whatever, because it affects everybody. It's that negative, lower-level existence that we do not have to live. We have a choice to live in a higher realm than to sit and be reactional about everything that comes our way. I agree. Well said there, Brother Rich. Um, and um, I think in order to get the victory that you're talking about, we've got to understand what our new identity is. Yes. That we're not our old self anymore. That we are new creations in Christ Jesus. And there's a whole other set of spiritual laws, not legalistic laws, but wonderful spiritual laws um, that we have to apply in our life in order to attain this victory. And one of the things is, you know, in order to hear the voice of the Lord, um, you've got to exercise your spiritual senses that the Apostle Paul talked about. We do have spiritual senses, just like we have natural senses. And we've got to exercise those spiritual senses. And Jesus says, I've given you ears to hear. The question is, are we listening? In this one of his poems that the Lord gave, he says, I'm looking for a people who will listen in this hour. You know, we were talking about 
ask, seek, and knock. Well, in this hour, literally, this is a this is an unusual day that we're in. Maybe Rich and I will get into the depth of the road, but this really is an unusual day that we have just moved into. And right now, the Lord speaking to the church at Laodicea, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. What is he saying? You know, instead of them knocking, he's knocking. And he's saying, come up here. So this is a church that has lost their ability to really listen and heed what the Lord is saying to them. And everything that the Lord wants to say to us all has to deal with health, prosperity. Beloved, above all things, I pray that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So the question is, is your soul prospering in the Lord? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm, and, uh, go ahead, know, Jim. No, and one other thing here, too. The Lord spoke to me. He said, your, your acceptance in me, the fact that I have accepted you, is not based on anything that you can do for me. It's based on what Jesus has already done for you. This is a finished work. The only reason why God wants you to hear his voice is so he can reveal to you this tremendous treasure that's in your earthen vessel. Yes. So why why deny yourself the opportunity to dig into that treasure chest? He wants you to listen to his voice. Amen. Listen. Amen, amen. And um, just to kind of end it on the gates thing, um, here's a visual that you can see back back in the olden days, all the cities um, were contained by walls and gates. And there's a spiritual meaning to the walls and gates within our city of God in us. I mean, the kingdom is within. His, the kingdom of God is a, and you can, as a visual, look at it as a city uh, with walls and gates. The walls represent salvation. Yeah. And the gates represent praise. Mm. Now, the wall is what he has done for us, salvation. So he, he, he does the walls, but guess what? The gates are what we give to him. Praise and thanksgiving. You know, um, I saw Bill Johnson. Some of you may know who Bill Johnson is. He said, a sacrifice of praise is the step beyond our convenience. Think about that. In other words, in other words, when th- everything's going to, you know what, in a handbasket, we still are to give praise to the Lord. We give him something when we least feel like it. We give him that praise, and we may not feel like it. That's why it's a sacrifice, but it's a good it's a good thing because that praise not only is going to it's not really honestly Jim it's not for the sake of the father. He loves no. our praises, he inhabits yeah. our praises. He loves it. But it's for us. Because we're when we praise the Lord in bad situations, we're acknowledging him as Lord. And he's Lord over our lives and he's Lord over every circumstance that we could possibly find ourselves in. Psalms 24 7 says, lift up your heads. You know, when when someone's dealing with shame or they're upset or whatever, what's the first thing that you can visually see of them is their head drops. 
Their countenance. Their countenance drops. And their physical head will look down instead of looking up. And the, David said in Psalms 24, 7, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and lift and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory, wow, shall come in. So when you're praising him in the midst of the worst situation you've ever been in, guess what? God comes in like a flood. I mean, he comes into that situation, comes into your being, and you'll start feeling peace. You'll even start feeling joy. How can you feel joy in the midst of a bad report from the doctor? Because you're not, you're not affected by the natural. You are constantly in union with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Part of this grace walk on this earth is learning to handle disappointment, resentment, and hurt. On this journey we're on, God gives us solutions and tools to handle anything we are faced with here. So shine your light. We must remember that when the enemy presses in, we can't forget what he has provided for us. Many times the things we are seeking are on the other side of adversity. Boy, that's a, I'm going to have to say that one again. Many things we are seeking are on the other side of adversity. Yeah, that's good. Well, how do you get to the other side? Just what we've been saying. Praising the Lord, being in union with Him, loving on the Lord. Our confession and the attitude of our heart determine how we handle adversity. Jim, you you close up here. I'm done. (laughs) Yeah, it was just like Isaiah said, Arise and shine, for your light has come, for darkness will cover the earth. Well, what is he saying? He's saying darkness is coming. Okay, if darkness is coming, if dark, let's get this down to the bare bones. If darkness comes into your life... What's going to lift that darkness? Arise and shine, for your light has already come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee, for darkness will cover the earth. There will be dark times. There will be times of tribulation. Paul told us that. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And I'll close with this poem, Rich. Yes. Okay. It says, I am looking for a people who will listen in this hour. I am looking for a people who will glisten in this hour he wants a shining people you can tell a person's walking with the lord they got that shine on their face for only i know the way through the valley of death and i will lead you into my perfect place of rest and only i know the way into the promised land so to bring you into the fullness of my plan so take my hand and follow me and keep on eating from the promised tree or the tree of life and as you do you will come to see this life abundant and its reality yeah that's great amen 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 um if you want some of jim's poems you can contact us at kingdombuilding73.com that's kingdombuilding73.com we'll be glad to send out these poems for free we'll email them to you and um if you have any questions or you'd like to contact us for any reason that's kingdombuilding73 at gmail.com and so glad you all tuned in today we love you and uh god bless you